Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk through the latest happenings in pop culture to help make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. Today, we'll be talking about last week's episode of The Bachelor, Morgan Wallen's latest controversy, and the Golden Globe nominations. Let's discuss. It's so much harder to come up with an intro when we're not together. It's so hard. I'm over not being together. I'm really sad. This happens every time. And by every time, I mean, this is the second time that it's happened. But going from doing an in-person episode and just feeling that electricity and the sound, hearing the sound quality and then going back to Zoom is honestly such a letdown. Yeah, maybe I should just move to New York. Yeah, and even though it's Super Bowl Sunday and the vibe should be good today, it's just they're not. But they will be. They will be, they but will they're be, not. And just to con- to clarify, the only reason that they're not is because not a lot happened this week. And I am bored. <laughs> yeah, we... the. I swear to God, pop culture was just not on our side this week. And again, we always, if there's no news going on, we do try to wait until Sunday to record, to wait for a story to break or literally anything to happen. And we got nothing. Yeah, because the thing is like, yes, okay, I was scrolling through page six, trying to, you know, figure out, okay, what are we going to, did I miss something? Because I really feel like nothing was popping off in the pop culture world. There still continues to be updates about Army Hammer's allegations, like every single day there's new stuff. And so, I mean, once we have, I feel like I'm waiting for something crazy to drop and then we can like revisit that. But other than that, anything else that stands out to me is like, why it's not important for Gigi Hadid to be a size zero. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> groundbreaking. <laughs> the amount of times the E! News posts about Gigi Hadid is unbelievable. She no. makes it onto their feed at least four to five times a week. I'm not kidding. Go count if you don't believe me. Like, she's one of those people that truly, to me, I'm, I don't, get it there's there's a couple people who are actual superstars who are above the level of fame like think about kim the kardashians the entire kardashians their clout makes sense to me but then like selena gomez's clout doesn't make sense to me will never make sense to me or or any a-lister i feel like a-lister clout and i almost i know that the kardashians are a-listers but they're so accessible because of social media versus like a brad pitt or a jen aniston like they're kind of irrelevant now but they're still you know above just like the Gigi hadids of the world i just don't understand the appeal of caring well and you know who else i I don't know who else i really don't care about is j-lo and a rod i'm sorry but all that news was breaking about a potential scandal a cheating allegation and i just couldn't care less i almost pitched it as a story idea to audrey and then i realized (laughs) i don't care i'm sorry i mean let's get loud but not about that you know what i mean also j-lo's entire like her pr team is working overtime right now she's everywhere and I'm just like, do you need to be everywhere? I feel like you have enough money. Like maybe there's a scandal coming out and she needs to save a couple bucks before, you know, she goes back into hiding. I mean, there is a scandal coming out. So perhaps we might be on to something, but I couldn't agree more. I just, I do not give a shit about JLo. I think she's a beautiful woman and she's an icon, but I don't care. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just not interested in subscribing to any story involving well, Also, can we just talk about, okay, here's another story that we're not going to talk about, but I just want to briefly mention it. <laughs> um, did you see that Jay, what's his name? Jay, I was going to say J-Rod. What the actual fuck? Jay what, I meant, what I meant, you know why? Because I was thinking of Jordan Rogers, but it's actually Aaron Rogers that I'm talking. Oh my God, another A-Rod. Oh my God. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah. Are we talking, I thought you were talking about Jay Cutler. Where are we? No. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers, the NFL player, brother of Jordan Rodgers, husband and A-Rod, brother-in-law of JoJo Fletcher, lots of J's, lots of Rods, lots of A's, (laughs) (laughs) Aaron. Okay, Aaron, did you see that he is engaged to Shailene Woodley? What? Did you see that? No. Yeah, and that's all I know, so... (laughs) Oh my God! Emily's, How in the hell? Emily's fact checking me right now because she doesn't believe it. I just saw her type something in her. I email. am furiously typing. Oh my God, they are. He was <gasps> doing this interview for something for ESPN or NFL or something, and he was like, "Yeah, 2021's been a crazy year. Uh, great for career. You know, I blah 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 blah. I got engaged this year. It's just been amazing." Everyone was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You got engaged this year? Hold oh, on." Oh. And then I guess him and Shailene, that's like the non-couple of a century. Like I could not pick two people less expected to get together. Wait, this is crazy too because I'm Googling them and on Google Images, there's no photo of them together. It's all just side by sides. So they have really been under the radar on this one. Like they are, they have zero photographs together. No, they're low key. And I... I'm just interested to see how that pans out. Like, how did they even meet? I just have a lot of questions, but I also don't care. So, oh let's my just- God. Yeah. Cause Shailene Woodley is like super private and doesn't share anything. And it's like a little interesting, a little quirky, but holy. Extremely quirky. Yeah. That's why I'm confused. Cause Aaron seems a little more by the book, but I'm not sure. Um, can we get into our question of the day? <laughs> I love that we were like, we have nothing to discuss and then launch <laughs> into all these like little, well, it's little like, headlines. What else is- what else is there to say other than to report on it? And then it's like, okay, <laughs> there you have it. It's one of those weeks where no one's really on the wrong side. Like it's one of those times where I wonder if we should have an episode just when there's actually something really deep that we need to dive into. But I appreciate, you know, catching people up on the latest pop culture stuff that we find interesting. But one of, you know, this week there's not like a huge, you know, jaw breaking story. What? What are well, you going to All the Golden Globes nominations. I mean, yeah, but like I'm talking, you know, like when you know, like when Olivia this- Rodrigo and Sabrina Carpenter and Josh exactly, Lassett. yeah, like yeah, when yeah. The, when this concept was born, it was really to educate people who where there's like an extremely, you know, intense, confusing narrative from the outside looking in, and we have our millennial friends who are just trying to understand, you know, be able to talk about it in in daily life. Totally get it. Totally get it. Okay. Well, let's jump into the question of the day, which was submitted by one of our incredible followers who gives us so many questions of the days. Like we're not, we're just simply not worthy. And with Valentine's Day coming up, I can't believe it's already February, but she asked us, what is your biggest pet peeve in couples? Yeah. I feel like I I have a lot of them, but also (laughs) because I personally don't get annoyed by PDA. I mean, obviously there's a threshold at which I am comfortable with someone else's PDA, but I'm like, if you're comfortable, you know, expressing your love for your partner, then that's great. I was kind of thinking the things that really annoy me in a couple, I feel are centered around social media, but not particularly in one way or another. And what I mean by that is 
there are the, the couples where, you know, they don't post about each other. They don't acknowledge one another's existence. And that can be interesting. And then there's the couples where it's like really forced social media posting where it's almost like, like, okay, here, here's a huge one. Um, anytime, and this often happens with famous people or influencers who are in relationships when they like live together, but they like comment on each other's Instagrams. There's nothing more transparent to me than saying that, or than doing that because it's not for one another. It's for your entire, you know, audience. And the same can be said about people who aren't influencers and I'm not you know there's exceptions to that I'm not saying like if you comment on your boyfriend's Instagram you're like cringy I'm just saying you know (laughs) sometimes it's it's a little bit weird you know what I mean and it just makes me a little uncomfortable at times and again that's also not to say that if you post about them at all that that's annoying it's just there are some couples where it's like what are you trying to prove and if you're really posting this much about it, I can't help but think it's really not that great. You know what I mean? But maybe no, totally. it's the age of social media. And, I, and that's a reflection of like the individual maybe more than the couple. Like when you have to kind of prove your relationship by overexpressing how in a relationship you are on Instagram. I don't know if that makes any <laughs> sense. You know the couples where <laughs> one of them will post a picture and the other one comments every single time and it's always something along the lines of loved this day with you or looking so good babe or love you so much or you know just whatever it drives me insane it's when you scroll through someone's Instagram and literally every single post whether they're together or individual there's just a consistent comment every time and I'm like okay take it easy take Take it easy a little bit yeah so that's mind but my other pet peeve that Audrey actually reminded me of and this is like very niche and honestly makes me just seem insane but I really can't stand it when couples Venmo each other on like a daily basis okay and I know that seems weird and a lot of you are probably like what the hell are you talking about but I'm a Venmo feed stalker okay I love looking through people's Venmos and it just or, oh my god that sounded really really creepy I just like looking at what people are Venmoing each other okay <laughs> fine I just said it I sold myself out <laughs> and I swear to god there are couples that it will be multiple times a day like coffee lunch dinner utilities rent like and what drives me insane is that obviously for the bigger expenses like yeah rent or utilities whatever sure venmo each other for that of course but when it's like multiple times a day and the charges are like coffee and ice cream and it's like four dollars i'm like okay how about one of you pays for the coffee and then the other one pays for ice cream. It just drives me crazy. I don't know why. I just can't deal with it. I have a concession to that though, because maybe, so for, as an example, James is extremely acts of service. Like that's some, that's my love language is acts of service. And so it's the act of doing, like getting the coffee that is the gift. So I'm going to pay for it because I literally just like asked him to go to Starbucks and get us a coffee. So I'm going to Venmo him because it's the least I can do because he's the one going to get a coffee while I play Fortnite or whatever. But that would be like one time a day. I guess. I mean, honestly, you you did sell yourself out. Like it's a little weird that you're looking at other people's Venmos, but not. And I've seen that. No, no, no. Like that's it's like a once a week sort of a thing. You know what I mean? 
And that pet peeve that you have is something that I've seen shared around on the internet. Like people have that pet peeve and it's just like, oh, fucking mind God. your business. No offense, but mind your goddamn business. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe the person doesn't have a job or maybe like they're just trying to be nice or maybe it's just, you know, something to be, you know, polite. You don't have to like nickel and dime each other, but goddamn, I've seen that on Venmo too. Oh, or not Venmo, sorry. TikTok. Why do you Venmo your girlfriends and boyfriends $5? It's so embarrassing. It's like, get over it. You're just sad that you're single. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm not single. Okay. I'm talking to the TikToker who said that, not you. No, I'm just kidding. But I know it's a really weird pet peeve. And my biggest thing is like, if it's clearly like a a one-time out thing. So like, let's say that they're a couple is clearly out to like do a bunch of shit. Okay. They're out on a date and they're, yeah, like they're getting coffee, they're getting ice cream, they're getting food, they're doing this, they're doing that. Then it's like, can we just split it up a little more evenly or do it in one charge and not like seven, just the frequent back and forth? I don't know. Just my, just my problem. I know I sound insane, but. Quick question before we move into the first story of the day. Yes. Do you have Valentine's Day plans? Oh, okay. Great question. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Fair I enough. was in Portland last weekend. Yeah. With you surprising you, and then I obviously got to see my boyfriend. So yeah, no plans. But <laughs> do you have any? No, not really. But you know, James's birthday is in December. Mine's in January, and we had Christmas, and oh, so it's kind of like presented out. And so last week, I said to James because my back was really hurting because I was on my period. And I was like, can we just go in on a Theragun together as our Valentine's Day oh. present? And he was like, yes. And I was like, sweet. So I bought oh, a Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so excited. Hopefully it lives up to the hype because my back has been hurting. My neck has been hurting. Just everything hurts. And I just want to be able to beat that back into submission with my Theragun. So those are our Valentine's Day plans. You have to post that on our stories when you get it and use it okay. this time. Yeah, I'm a little bit stressed because I feel like it was kind of expensive and I probably could have gotten the same thing from Amazon for like a quarter of the price, but... But we don't support Amazon around here. We don't. And also I'm a brand name hoe and I'm not even sorry about it. Like whatever. Don't be. Don't be. I'm good Never with my money Amazon. and I splurge when I want to splurge. Okay. Speaking of cringy relationships... Let's get into the first story of the day, which is, of course, recapping The Bachelor. And obviously, nothing really crazy happened last week. We're just going to touch on a couple points from the episode going into this episode that'll be coming out today if you are listening on release day. So um, let's go ahead and start with I kind of want to start with Rachel's one on one. Okay, fair enough. And can I just say really quickly that even though you said, you know, nothing crazy happened, it wasn't anything super dramatic, I really enjoyed the entire episode, which I haven't all season. I just thought that the content was consistently good between the one-on-one dates, the group date, the rose ceremonies. I don't know. I was just very tuned in throughout the whole episode. And usually there's a segment or the entire episode where I'm just like half watching, half not. But this episode really pulled me in. So yeah, let's get started on Rachel's one-on-one. How insanely jealous were you? Oh my God. I mean, every time I'm jealous of that. And it's also funny because I just wish, and I'm sure that there's an element of the women being aware of like the production tactics of the show the more that time goes on you know 
But God, it's another one of those moments where I wish they just had broken the fourth wall or someone could have been like, I know this wasn't Matt's decision. So I'm just choosing not to feel jealous because this is obviously a production plan in order to make all of us feel jealous. And of course, they're going to feel jealous because she gets a bunch of free shit and red bottoms and, you know, just looks over the moon. More so they're jealous because they think that it means that Matt likes her more than the other people or whatever, which just couldn't be further from the truth. Exactly. But actually, well, you know, that's not true because like I said, I was getting some thin blue line energy from the episode and Rachel's one-on-one with Matt. They really do seem to vibe politically. Totally. And I had just, you know... If you're a true Bachelor stan, you probably spend some time on Reddit threads and you take those Reddit threads with a grain of salt because you, you know, anybody could write anything on there. But I have seen a lot of accounts of people who knew someone on the show or whatever, where Matt's political affiliation was made a little bit clearer than is shown publicly on air and so when he made that comment to Rachel like oh she's from Georgia and it just feels like a little piece of home she just feels like we're on the same wavelength I was like I know exactly what wavelength you are talking about James (laughs) and I'm happy for you Rachel is under scrutiny we talked about this last week exactly People, people are coming for her and for you know legitimate reasons from what I've seen, it's more displays of ignorance versus intolerance. Um, you know, her dressing up as Pocahontas for a show or, you know, Confederate fl- flags in the background, stuff like that, where it's just clear that she is not from a, you know, liberal background, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, stuff will continue to come out because there's just been a lot. But on the same hand, Are we going to see that from Matt James? Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm feeling weird about Rachel because a lot of people are saying she's endgame. And that makes sense to me a lot. He seems really into her. Well, that's the thing is that I was so conflicted watching this date because first of all, during the shopping date, I really liked them together. They were having a lot of fun. I loved the way that Matt was looking at her when she came out of the dressing room. Like you could tell that he thought she was just the most beautiful person in the world. And also though, her dress choice, no, 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 no. The Mm -hmm. red one with the cape, it looked like a high low dress that I wore for my middle school promotion. It was just not the vibe. Uh, She definitely could have done a little better for herself, but her blue dress was stunning. So great choice on that. But I was totally conflicted throughout the entire date because I really liked her and I thought that they looked great together and were clearly very into each other. But exactly, I had all this controversy in the back of my mind and so therefore I'm not a fan of hers. And I was annoyed by that because I think if there wasn't that controversy, if she didn't have that sort of a background in history, then I would really like her. But unfortunately, I'm not allowed to because I just can't get behind that kind of behavior. And during their dinner portion, I mean, obviously during the the close of it all, they were very into each other. But during the dinner date, when she told him that she was already falling in love with him, he said it back. And she even made a comment about how I want to leave here with you. And he said, I feel the same way. And so I was just shook to my core because we had never really seen them together before up until this point. And I was like, oh God, wow. Like I just felt like I got hit by a freight train because you can tell that they are very very into each other however her comments about her insecurities were also very interesting and matt didn't seem to mind that which probably would have been a red flag to me but well here's the here's the thing matt matt was straight up not listening to her (laughs) there i again i saw a tiktok that pointed this out i mean i was watching but i didn't notice this until the tiktok 
But, you know, she spent five minutes at least of screen time talking about how she's so insecure. She really has a lot of self-confidence issues and doesn't always know if she's doing the right thing or, you know, in the right place, whatever. And then at the end, when Matt is about to give her the rose, he's like, you're just so sure of yourself. And I love that about you. And it's like, holy shit, dude, he really does not fucking listen. And I hate that about every single lead. Honestly, in the last, as long as I can remember, thank you so much for sharing. You're so strong. It just goes to show how love really is blind because people are not making decisions based off of logic. They're making decisions based off of being entranced by the eye contact and the beauty and totally situation and the blah, 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 blah. So anyways, it was just, that was hilarious, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with her. I mean, I obviously think she's going to go very far, if not take it all home, but it'll be interesting to see what other conversations they have. If any of the controversy is ever brought up, I doubt it, but we'll see. So that was an, uh, that was a very good one-on-one though. I thought it just offered a lot of insight and I'm so jealous. What did you think about at the beginning of the episode when Anna and Victoria were sent home? Surprised? Not surprised? Not surprised. And there was the whole, Anna got sent home after they sat down and talked, right? Yeah, she got sent home immediately before the ceremony even began, baby. Cocktail party. Yeah, I I was living for that. I really don't think that I like Matt James. I've been pretty, you know, adamant on that standpoint. And I'm open to changing my mind, but it has thus far not been changed. But I really do appreciate the fact that he seems to be, you know, letting people go at appropriate times. Victoria leaving like it's like whatever because she's was an obvious production plant if she wasn't placed by production production was most certainly telling Matt James to keep her as long as he did obviously obviously he was not interested in her and it's clear that I don't know if we'll ever know if she was a paid actress or whatever I I feel like that might come out because there's just no way that she's not going to be on podcasts or like YouTube channels or whoever Oh, Demi already interviewed her yeah, like I, that's she's why. She's going to be everywhere, unfortunately. <laughs> is, dude. And she's probably going to be on Bachelor in Paradise, which is just so frustrating. Bachelor is really under fire lately. They need to get it together. People are pissed off. Oh my God. You know what we fucking need to talk about is the Dylan Barber tweets. Oh my God. Ugh. Well, that was so, did you see that he already had to issue an apology statement and totally had to backtrack on a lot of it? I did not see that. Yes. That's crazy. Well, if you don't know what we're talking about, let's just skirt skirt over to this, you know, really quickly. Dylan basically got on Twitter and he was fired up for whatever reason. And he decided to go on an anti-bachelor rampage, basically explaining some of the insider secrets, the ways in which bachelor does not care about the cast or the mental health about anybody who's on the show. They just simply care about views. The production team only cares about views. People were saying, you know, Dylan, you were on the show twice. Like, what are you talking about? And he was kind of like, yeah, I definitely made my friends and I took advantage of the opportunity, but that doesn't mean that like morally or ethically they're correct. This whole thing was difficult for me when I was reading it because I typically don't stand Dylan Barber. I think that he's extremely cringy and just a total frat bro and not somebody that I care about or (laughs) like (laughs) rooting for. But everything he was saying made sense. I mean, yeah, obviously they don't care about people. It didn't really feel like that big of a revelation. The only thing that was interesting was wondering, okay, is this a breach of contract? Because there's a reason that people don't do this. And if you're saying he backtracked a ton, then 
it probably was in some way a breach of contract. Like Luke P from Hannah Brown season was sued for like a hundred thousand dollars for breaching his contract. And it's like an actual thing. Like that's how bachelor stays successful is by keeping their insider secrets a secret. So yeah. Cause one of Dylan's tweets was quote, you got to understand the game. They get paid off you doing shit that warrants screen time. It's easy to make. Oh my God. It literally just flew up. Come on. <laughs> Come on. I hate us weekly. There's so many ads and they pop up everywhere. He said, it's easy to make a bad person look worse. It's hard to make a good person look bad. But yeah, you can tell that somebody at ABC came for his ass because a few days later, you know, he just kind of was explaining, he put out a statement explaining why he made those claims. And then he said, quote, with that said, I believe the message was delivered. Oh my God. Did it happen again? Oh, I hate you. Us Weekly. U.S. Weekly. U.S. Weekly. <laughs> God, I'm losing my mind. Okay. He said, with that said, I believe the way the message was delivered was wrong. I'm appreciative of the franchise and the platform given to me. And that was not reflected. Oh, God. Moving forward, I'll speak only from personal experience and continue to be an ally and support system to those who need it. So you can totally tell that somebody came for them. Somebody said, I'm sorry, do you want to get hit with a lawsuit right now, buddy? And also Jed was hyping up this podcast episode and he was going to release this entire episode never got released where is it jed they're just it's a horrible cringy situation not a good move on their part a complete shit show and i I just hate dylan but yeah anyway that's what happened with that we can get back into the episode so in terms of the group date first of all i felt right at home being from saint john (laughs) we love a farm group date I think there's not really a ton to discuss here other than I'm so glad that Abigail got the rose. I think that she has been totally gypped on screen time. And I have a theory for this. I think it's because after the first night, you know, she gets the first impression rose. Everybody is obsessed with her. Everybody loves Abigail. And I think, I'm not trying to spoil it for anybody, but I don't think she ends up with Matt. I don't think that's a spoiler. I think that the producers sort of cut back on her screen time. That way, maybe her stands will settle down a little bit because I think we would just love her more and more every episode if she continued getting as much screen time as she is getting. And then we would be pushing for her to be the Bachelorette or Bachelor in Paradise or I don't know. I just think that like something is not working out with Abigail. And so they're trying to cut back on her screen time to prepare the fans. But that's just a theory. I think that's a fair theory though, because I've also seen some potential rumors that, and Again, this isn't necessarily a spoiler because it hasn't been confirmed, but I've seen it floating around the internet that Katie is probably going to be the next Bachelorette. And so it makes sense if the edits start to shift towards Katie to kind of give her that edit. so that Which they totally have. Totally. I mean, and barely without even trying because she is just doing the right thing right now with all the bullying happening and stuff allegedly they've already filmed the women tell all which is where they usually announce the new bachelorette so that's why it's a potential spoiler but i don't know because i've just seen it on like random tweets and stuff yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see if that happens i think with the edit that she's been getting and for good reason i love katie but i i totally get bachelorette vibes from her two more quick things no one more quick thing from the episode kit's one-on-one 
I was cracking up. I mean, I, I do like her a little more. She was very entertaining. She was very cute, but I was just cracking up. Like this girl is 21. She's saying things like I've never been in love before. I'm like, you're 21. Like, what do you think? And then again, with the whole idea of Matt does not actually plan these dates, I was cracking up because yeah. she was like, oh my God. Like she started crying. She's like the kitchen, like the kitchen is my favorite spot to be with my mom. And like the fact that he plan this date shows that he's listening to me and cares about me and I'm like oh my god the producers did this for you so it was a cute date though I was I was like that's the kind of date I would love to be on because it gives you a glimpse of what your life can look like versus like skydiving bungee jumping and then going to have dinner at a pond or whatever (laughs) no I liked kid a little more I was also cracking up the gold Bentley's comment but she's just an interesting character and I'm glad she's on the show The last thing that I will say, just quick comments about the preview for this week's episode, MJ versus Jesenia. Holy shit. I hope MJ goes home at the start of this week's episode. She probably won't, but get her out of here. I cannot stand her. What a bully. Second thing, Tyler C is going to appear in this week's episode. You're probably not thrilled about that. A lot of people probably aren't thrilled about that, but I know some people, including my friend Stacy, are very thrilled about that. Tyler C, very, very polarizing guy. It'll be interesting to see how they bring him in, how much screen time he gets, whatever. We'll discuss more of that next week. Oh, how can you stand Tyler C? I want to <laughs> We should make a poll. And then finally, the most bizarre preview that they showed was Heather M. Finally, it's about time, pulling up in a white van. Who gave her that vehicle? And she just goes, hello, yes, my name is Heather Martin. And I'm, I was wondering if I could talk to Chris Harrison. Just wow. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Very excited to cover that. But this sort of leads us into our next story because Heather M, we started following her on our Instagram and listen, her Instagram stories consist of nothing but Bible verses and religious quotes. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but it's, it's a lot. It's very in your face. And then she posted a song by Morgan Wallen in her Instagram story, which was just a very, very poor choice because we have some stories about Morgan Wallen. She posted this story on the exact day that Morgan Wallen came under fire (laughs) after a TMZ video was posted that showed him coming home from a night out in Nashville, which is literally problematic in its own self. But he shouted at someone in the video referring to the person by using the N-word. Spotify, Apple, and some of the largest radio station companies in the country removed his... Oh my god, whoa, I just am learning that. (laughs) Wait, I'm shook. Holy shit. Spotify, Apple, and some of the largest radio station companies in the country removed his music from the radio. Wait, like removed his music or like removed it from like playlists and stuff? I need to know. Wallen issued the following statement in response to the controversy. Quote... I'm embarrassed and sorry. I used an unacceptable and inappropriate racial slur that I wish I could take back. There are no excuses to use this type of language ever. I want to sincerely apologize for using the word. I promise to do better. Wallen's record label suspended his contract after the video surfaced too, according to Variety. Quote, in the wake of recent events, Big Loud Records has made the decision to suspend Morgan Wallen's contract indefinitely. Republic Records, the universal music-owned label that distributes his recordings, quote, fully supports Big Loud's decision and agrees such behavior will not be tolerated. 
So unfortunately, his music is still on Spotify and Apple Music, but they removed it from all the radio. Got it. Okay, that makes sense because it'd probably be like a legal issue to actually pull his music from the app. Oh, God, I wish. You know, that's so funny because this is just incredibly vindicating for me because when his controversy came back, his first controversy of the year, or maybe, I mean, one of them from the year a few months ago when he was set to show up on SNL. And then there were videos that surfaced of him making out with tons of girls on some college campus. And so did that get revoked or did he still perform? No. So yeah, that was, I was going to bring this up because in October, three days before he was supposed to make his big SNL debut, he was suspended from the show because yeah, all these videos got posted on TikTok. They show him, like you said, just completely maskless. He's making out with a bunch of women. He's playing guitar, you know, with a bunch of people. And it was an Alabama Crimson Tide football game to no one's surprise so that he got suspended but then the show SNL gave him another chance and he ended up playing on the December 5th episode with Jason Bateman so oh. SNL gave him a second chance which everybody was I know which was controversial That's in my opinion but yeah. every a lot of people were happy about that like oh thank you so much for giving him a shot and you know people make mistakes and on last night's episode they brought up this story on weekend update and so i'm kind of i'm very glad that they did that because i can't imagine that they're super happy about that yeah and well going back to what i was saying the reason i feel vindicated is because when that controversy happened i literally blocked his music from playing on my spotify because he had can you do that yeah you can block an artist so that they don't come up like (laughs) I listen to top 40 all the time because I just like to know, you know, what's what's popping. And when his album came out and it was like a 30 song album. So tons of his songs were on top 40 for a little bit. And I just blocked it because I didn't want to I didn't want to give him streams. Oh, my God. I didn't know you could do that. I'm 100 percent blocking him. Yeah. And Megan Trainer. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, it goes back to the original story because I'm like why was this even a surprise of course he uses the n-word like why is that even a shock and why is this the final straw because he's just so fucking problematic let me just say that I did not appreciate I mean of course he had to put out his apology and his statement but I like how in the statement you know it makes it sound like oh I can't believe I said something like that you know that is so inappropriate and horrible and blah 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 the way that he says it in the video if you've seen it on TMZ you you can just tell that he says it all the time. Casually. It came very easily out of his mouth. There was no, you know, did he stutter? No. And no. so you can totally tell that it's a word that is that frequents his vocabulary, unfortunately. Exactly. Because the context of the video from that TMZ article is actually that it was a neighbor. He had explained that they were being super, they were just causing a ruckus outside late into the night. And so he went outside to record them. And he's just calling his friend the N-word, you know, the same way some other douchebag would use, you know, the F-word or just like inappropriate slurs for no fucking reason. So yeah, I'm really glad to see that he is actually being reprimanded for these actions. There were a lot of people in country music who, not a lot actually, but I notably saw Kelsey Ballerini and um, Marin Morris both made comments on Twitter about how this is what country music is. Like this is representative of country music basically. And it doesn't come as a shock to anybody and it just fucking sucks. And I stand them for speaking out because it must be really, really difficult to be in that environment and that community, but also 
take a stance that's probably against the majority of that audience's political views. So I found that to be very impressive and brave of those people as well. I would love to see some more comments made by the white male country stars, but pretty silent on their end. And that's not a shock. I mean, we know many fucking Jason Aldean is like a literal QAnoner. Oh my God. So. They've, he and his wife have got to chill. They are the definition of the wrong side. Avoid. If I should block him. I'm blocking him. I'm blocking everybody on Spotify today. Same. If you didn't, if they didn't speak out about this, then they don't have anything to say about it because they don't care. Ugh. I just, it sucks because country music is so pleasant, but goddamn, I don't support that. Nope. 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 <laughs> uh, all right. Next story. Speaking of uh, stupid people. <laughs> That'll do. We are going to recap some of the Golden Globes nominations. And are we going to take you through the entire list? God, no. But Google it. Google it. Google it. Of course, we're the wrong side podcast. So we have to highlight some horrible nominations that are absolutely on the wrong side. And then massive, just absolute snubs. So we're going to start out with just wrong side nominations number one and this is in no particular order (laughs) james corden being nominated for best actor in a comedy or musical for the prom so i don't know if we have any james corden fans out there i used to really like him i do like his show i think his segments are some of the most creative in all the late night space you know obviously we have the carpool karaoke we have fill your guts or spill your guts. He does a great job at really engaging with his guests. And I think he's a great host. However, I've heard a lot of problematic things about James Corden just being a complete jerk. Mm. And I'm not a huge fan anymore. Personally, I only watched a preview of the prom. So I can't, I can't speak to the prom as an actual movie. However, I can just tell that it is not up my alley. Absolute trash. It's one of those films where you have all these big stars, so you expect it to do well. But if the story is not there, it's not going to be good. My biggest problem here is that James Corden was the only performance from the film to be nominated. Okay, Meryl Streep, are you kidding me? She didn't receive a joke. That's a sick joke. If you're going to nominate anybody from this disaster of a movie, it better be Meryl. That didn't sit well with me. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because so many of the Golden Globe nominations weren't things that I had even heard about. So it's hard to speak to a lot of them. But I just, as a whole, when you look at the nominations, it's just, it's it tells a very different story than other years have told. I want to get into, you know, the elephant in the room or the Emily in the Paris Oh, God. (laughs) Lily Collins, unfortunately, has been nominated for a Golden Globe (laughs) Award for Best Actress in, what, a comedy series or something? Best Performance by an Actress in a Television Series, Musical or Comedy. Yeah, and that's just, that's really bad. That's bad for a lot of reasons, and people are upset. Well, and the show was also nominated for Best Musical slash Comedy Series. That's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy because of all of the shows that I watched last year, Emily in Paris was 100% one of the shows that was actually, we said this on the podcast, it was objectively a bad show. Lily Collins is like not a bad actress, but she was horrible in Emily in Paris. (laughs) So like, I really hope she doesn't win or, and I, 
yeah, I don't know. People were really, really freaking livid about that, especially when you compare it to, you know, like Nicole Kidman was nominated for a drama series actress. It's like you just can't compare those two characters or those performances. They were just night and day. And Emily in Paris was nominated for a show award. It's like, girl, there were so many other good shows. I don't know. And we're going to get into this a little bit later when we talk about the snubs, but one of the writers for Emily in Paris even spoke out about how she was shocked that Emily in Paris received any nominations, and that pretty much says it all. If the writer of the show agrees, you know it's problematic. Wait, just to confirm, you're not talking about the person who satirically said that she wrote Emily in Paris, right? You're talking about the real writer. Yeah, correct. <laughs> okay, yes, because there are two, there's a fake yes. writer out there. She's a she's a sham. But yeah, that lady came out. This, okay, this was another side thing. If you were confused, you might have been seeing this on Twitter. There was this girl who is a comedian who posted on Twitter that she wrote Emily in Paris initially to star a Southeast Asian or a South Asian character and it didn't get through but then she wrote it with a white character and it got through and you know it was this whole thing she went on for weeks about it she got contacted by different news platforms saying oh my god that's so crazy like we want to reach out to you and then she finally shut it up or shut it down like two days ago being like guys use fucking google holy shit (laughs) like look up your sources please (laughs) but emily emily here not emily in paris Emily Jones is referring to the actual writer who did also make a comment about it. So yes, essentially Emily in Spokane does not support Emily in Paris's nominations. And I think it's just disgusting that Lily Collins got one nomination and then the show got a nomination. The double nomination is just too much for me. One would have been an outrage. Two (laughs) is is a travesty. Despicable. (laughs) So the final wrong side nomination that I will mention is Kate Hudson and music being nominated for best actress in a comedy or musical and best picture comedy or musical. So this is just really controversial because music, which was written and directed by Sia has not yet been released. That is actually happening this next week, but early reviews have definitely not been super kind to the film thus far. And if you guys are wondering, okay, this sounds really familiar, and I remember seeing this on Twitter somewhere, you know, a bunch of outrage about it. So the film stirred a lot of controversy because it casted Maddie Ziegler as an autistic girl instead of an actor on the spectrum. So there's just not great vibes surrounding this film already, and for it to already secure a nomination, you just hate to see it. So nothing really else to say on that one. What? Like, I I don't know. Some, I know that I'm not an expert, but sometimes award seasons and timing and stuff really confuses me. Like, why wouldn't this just be up for an award after it was released? I know, like, we haven't even seen this thing. Yeah, that's confusing. So horrible nominations all around, even though I'm pissed about all of them. I'm pretty confident that none of these will actually win. So I'll swallow my pride and try to forget this ever happened, but I completely disagree with all those. So now to move on to the snubs, I'm going to sort of take this one over because I am an award season girly. Audrey is you know, she dips her toes in the water, but I just really feel passionately about this. And also I've been watching Shit's Creek lately and Moira Rose gets asked, what's your favorite season? And she goes, award season. And I just love that. <laughs> with me. So I love it off with the snubs again, in no particular order. 
first up, Zendaya. We love Zendaya. She can do no wrong. Absolute icon. Absolute queen. Hope I come back as her in another lifetime. She was snubbed from her new Netflix movie, Malcolm and Marie. I was just upset by this because it really did seem like the perfect place for her, perfect place and time for her to really stake her claim in the race for best actress. You know, the Academy loves you know, highlighting these rising stars. And Zendaya has just really been proving time after time that she can quite literally do it all. I actually have not watched this movie yet, but I will be watching probably tonight or tomorrow night because I will consume any content that Zendaya is in. I just know it's already going to be good. It's her, even if the film is bad, her acting is incredible. She deserved a nomination. Next up, Dead to Me. Have you seen the show, Audrey? I have. I watched it long I mean it came out a while ago the first season and last the second season came out like I feel like I watched it early quarantine maybe time yeah it's a great show and I was just really offended that it didn't receive a single nomination it was completely left off the ballot and what was interesting is that the Golden Globes definitely seemed to look to newer comedy series this year because out of all the nominations Schitt's Creek was the only show nominated that was not in its first season because Mm. the other shows are Emily in Paris, The Flight Attendant, The Great, and Ted Lasso. And those are all brand new series. And so Mm -hmm. I thought that was just interesting. I'm like, wow, we're really, really going all in on the one series shows. And I think it's, I don't know. I just think Dead to Me deserves some justice because it is a lot easier to come out with one season that's a really great season than to have to repeat multiple amazing seasons and continue to deliver. And Dead to Me and Shit's Creek have done that. And I just think it deserves more recognition. That's all. The whole idea, uh, maybe you can shed some light on award season, especially as we come up on some more award, you know, programming in the next couple of months. But it's so confusing because the pool of potential nominations is so large and it almost seems like sometimes people or shows that could be great candidates just completely get left out for whatever reason like I'm just thinking about all of the Disney plus shows that are coming out there's so many Netflix shows and also like we're gonna see award season change the the function of different awards change as the way that we watch media changes so like how you were saying Netflix received more than one third of all nominations. Right. Okay. That's not surprising because I don't watch cable. <laughs> like I watch Netflix. I watch Hulu. I watch HBO like streaming platforms. So it also doesn't surprise me that Chits Creek is the only like longstanding series that got nominated for television because like we we're talking about the Netflix problem is that all of this content is being churned out for one season to keep people's interest and then a new show comes out and I feel like that's the new strategy versus coming up with long-standing shows where they actually have a plan for like multiple seasons of content which is disappointing because that's just not as exciting to me but I don't know it's just it's just a bummer like shows like Emily in Paris oh I can't believe that the same awards category includes Emily pa- Emily in Paris and Schitt's Creek. Like, can you imagine? Oh, if I were Dan and Eugene Levy, I would be scoffing at the nomination and say, actually, take my name off the ballot. I don't even want to be listed next to a show like that. I wonder if Schitt's Creek is going to, you know, blow them out of the water like they did with the Emmys. Oh, Schitt's Creek will sweep. Mark my words. As it should. As it should. I would <laughs> die for that show. I would die for every actor on that show. Yeah, same. I fucking love that show. <laughs> But yeah, moving into snub number three, this one is a little more niche that not everybody might agree with me on, but what we do in the shadows was snubbed. And if you don't know what it is, 
this show, I swear to God, it is a cult favorite, okay? And it's just basically this vampire mockumentary that, you know, takes a look into the lives of these four vampires who have lived together for hundreds of years in Staten Island. It is so funny and easy to watch. And it scored eight nominations for the Emmys, including Outstanding Comedy Series, and then it just snubbed by the Golden Globes completely. And I just found that to be quite disrespectful, if I do say so myself. Yeah, I see I hadn't seen that show either. And then what what was that one show a lot of people were talking about, especially in contrast to Emily in Paris, the HBO one that you were telling me about? Yes. So this leads us into our final. And I know that it's, I said in no particular order, but this is probably the biggest snub of all time. <laughs> I May Destroy You. So this is a British drama television series that was counted out here, created, written, co-directed, and executive produced by Michaela Cole for BBC One and HBO. And the series is set in London with a predominantly Black British cast. And basically, Michaela stars as herself. Um, I mean, she she's stars as a character, but sort of plays herself because <laughs> she's playing a young woman who seeks to rebuild her life after being sexually assaulted. And this is based off a true story of what happened in real life to Michaela. And so this is just a huge snub. And it also highlights a lot of just how the nominations work because there was this report in 2017 from the nonprofit Color of Change that found that 91% of showrunners are white and 80% are men. And so this definitely just also plays into the whole, let's just really quickly do a comparison. We have Emily in Paris and Lily Collins nominated for just starring in the show. And it's the most basic kind of gossip girl type show. It's literally about an influencer that's living in Paris. Can't imagine that the storyline was that hard to come up with and it receives two <laughs> nominations. And then you have the show and this amazing writer and director and producer and actress who is bringing this very important issue to light in a beautiful and incredible way. And she does not receive a single nomination for her writing, directing, acting. It just pisses me off. And you know who else is pissed off? One of the Emily in Paris writers. Yes. So basically, yeah, not the Twitter one. (laughs) The actual one, not the fake one. So one of the Emily in Paris writers actually wrote this entire Guardian article that was published last Wednesday. And she says, quote, Now, am I excited that Emily in Paris was nominated? Of course. I've never been remotely close to seeing a Golden Globe statue up close, let alone being nominated for one. But that excitement is now unfortunately tempered by my rage over Michaela Cole's snub. That I May Destroy You did not get one Golden Globe nod is not only wrong, it's what is wrong with everything. So essentially, I could read this entire article because just everything that she says, I couldn't agree with more. I would highly encourage you all to go give it a read. I don't want to talk your ears off for 20 more minutes. But, you know, this writer, this Emily in Paris writer just considers this show, I May Destroy You, to be, you know, work of sheer genius. And she also notes that where when Emily in Paris aired, she had spent the last few months, you know, marching for racial justice through the streets of New York with her kids. And it just didn't sit right with her that, you know, this show that's about a white American selling luxury whiteness in a pre-pandemic Paris just completely took the place of a show like I May Destroy You. And did you find the tweet? 
No, I didn't find the tweet, but I was basically trying to, because the day that the Golden Globe nominations came out, there was so much, let's just also paint that picture. There was so much negative feedback about Emily in Paris getting those nominations. And I'm kind of on like writer Twitter for some reason, because I get, I follow a lot of writers and then I get like their likes and stuff. And there's basically, there was a ton of negativity and, and anger about the fact that Emily in Paris was nominated at all because the reason that it was was because it was extremely successful because everybody watched it. And we all know that was partially because of the pandemic, which is just kind of what's weird. But also the more that those shows get better ratings, better you know viewership, whatever, the more that big companies want to make more shows like that because they want to make shows that people watch and that make money. So that was just a huge portion of the story, I guess, was just not only are we annoyed about Emily in Paris getting nominated, but so is everybody else. Like everybody is so angry. And there were tons of writers just being like, please stop hate watching shows because even if you don't like it, we still have to keep making them. And I exactly. Yeah, exactly. And okay, I I said I was done with the quotes, but I just have to leave you all with this one more iconic quote from the Emily in Paris writer. She said, yes, we need art that reflects all of our colors, not just some, but we also need to give awards to shows and music and films and plays and musicals that deserve them, no matter the color of the skin of their creators. Is Hamilton great because Lin-Manuel Miranda is Puerto Rican? No, it's great because it bangs. <laughs> what a quote. <laughs> but by that same token, how anyone can watch I May Destroy You and not call it a brilliant work of art or Michaela Cole a genius is beyond my capacity to understand how these decisions are made. And that says it all. And what No further right- comment, period. Wait, one more comment. What's oh. the writer's name <laughs> that said that? Deborah Kopakin. That's really cool that she said that. Hell yeah, Deb. Deb is on the right side. Emily Harris and whoever nominated it is on the wrong side. Okay. Gosh, I have so much to learn about the world. I'm going to have to do some Googling. (laughs) We should should definitely watch and see what comes of it. I'm sure. You know what's sad is I miss the live award show times because there was already some, there were already, there were always so many great memes that came out of them. But with the digital age, it's like, I'd rather play Fortnite. (laughs) You would rather play Fortnite than do anything, okay? That doesn't say much. (laughs) It's true. It's bad. I've been writing in my diary about how bad my addiction to Fortnite is. (laughs) Audrey texted me before we recorded and said, hey, can we do maybe 15 (laughs) minutes, maybe just 10, 15 minutes later, I'm just wrapping up a game with my cousins. I said, you have a problem. I can't believe you're outing me like this. I have to. It's part of, you have to acknowledge the issue. It just, it reminds me so vividly of my Animal Crossing phase too. Exactly. Which was right around the time as when we started the podcast. I spent more hours on Animal Crossing in the month of April of 2020 than I spent working my actual job. (laughs) And I worked 40 hours a week. (laughs) It was scary. It was a really a dark time for you. It was a and really, really dark time. But who who wasn't it a dark time for? If it makes you feel any better, I mean, I definitely didn't spend 40 hours on it, but I was obsessed with Among Us for a long time. You were? Oh my God, we never played together. I know, there were like a few weeks where I could not stop playing it. And I even started playing with like random internet strangers. Yeah. And I was like, I've got to stop. I got to delete the app. I feel so creepy. Yeah, I, I, like had an, I had an Among Us 
phase too, but that was super fun because you could play with up to 10 people. So we would play all of James's cousins. We would fill the entire lobby up to 10 and it was just like hilarious and fun and a great time. Honestly, I'm going to miss these days. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm never going to be able to play this much Fortnite once I have like a house and children and stuff. (laughs) Okay. But like, you're going to be fully remote. So you're chilling. Yeah. But like, I literally live with James's parents. We don't do anything. Like we don't, the most productive I am is cleaning my room, doing the laundry, and I make dinner sometimes for the family. You know what I mean? But okay, fair. Whereas when I'm living alone, you know, I, I do take responsibility for like my home and my items and stuff. But right now all my shit's in a storage unit and I'm just playing Fortnite every day. <laughs> yeah, it will be interesting to see how long this Fortnite addiction lasts. But I'm here for you. We're going to get through it. And now you can go play some more before the Super Bowl. You read my actual mind. <laughs> I, I'm going to play some more before the Super Bowl. Are you going to be watching? Oh my God. Yeah. I don't give a shit about either of the teams, but it's Super Bowl Sunday and it's all about the experience. It's all about the eating the food and also the commercials. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us for another week. You know, even though we didn't have any crazy, you know, groundbreaking stories to discuss, I still feel like we filled up our time quite well. And I'm glad that we had a moment to breathe. All right, everybody. Thanks for being with us and we will see you next week. Bye. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.